Well, in June of 2013, uh, Megan and I were down at the Outdoor Gear Exchange. Have you all been to the Outdoor Gear Exchange? Downtown Burlington's my favorite store. Um, if there's like one place that I could have like a shopping spree, it would be that place. Um, we were there to, to hear this woman uh, named Jennifer Farr Davis uh, give a speech or give it like a little talk or presentation. Uh, in 2008, Jennifer set the record for the fastest woman to hike through the Appalachia Trail. So from Georgia to Maine, 2,181 miles, she did in 57 days uh, and eight hours. Five years later, 2013, the year that we got to meet with her, Jennifer broke her previous record and became the fastest person, man or woman, to hike through the Appalachia Trail, completing all 2,181 miles in 46 days, 11 hours and 20 minutes, uh, to be exact. She held that world record for five years. It was just, I think it was broken actually this year. Um, Jennifer loves to hike. Uh, when we met her, she had already hiked over 12,000 miles on six continents. Um, she's been all over the place. And no doubt she's hiked more since then. Uh, during the Q&A section of her talk, I sort of raised my hand and I asked her, it's like, it's clear you've hiked all over. Do you have a favorite place to hike? Is there a particular trail or a particular country that you just uh, enjoy the best? And she didn't even have to pause. She didn't have to think about it. The answer just rolled right off of her tongue. It's Iceland. Iceland is the coolest place to hike, no pun intended, right? Uh, in a day, you will see snowy glaciers, sort of baked lava flows, steaming mountains, verdant valleys, mossy volcanoes, and you can traipse all over them in a day. It's incredible. Well, all of this was new to us. Uh, we had never met anybody who had traveled to Iceland. We had never met anybody who had anything to say about Iceland. And when she talked about the trail that she was on, the Log of Agurin, we're like, what, 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 what did she say? Like, what trail was that? You know, we were uh, intrigued. In an instant, like literally overnight, a trail that we had never heard of and a country we never intended to visit found itself on the top of our must-see places, you know, must-see uh, places to go overnight at the top of the list. Intrigued, and we started to investigate. We got a book on Iceland. We uh, Googled Lagavagurin and studied the trail, and we saw lots of pictures. Lots and lots of them on Instagram, and I'm sure you've seen them too. Everything we read and everything we saw confirmed what Jennifer Farr Davis had said. Iceland is awesome. But for all the information that we got from a distance, reading books, Googling Iceland, hearing testimonies, looking at pictures, right, this knowledge paled in comparison to what we actually discovered when we stepped foot on Icelandic soil. Right? All the information we gained from a distance just paled in comparison to being there. Right? Iceland was no longer a paragraph on a page or a bunch of pixels on a smartphone. It was a landscape that we were immersed in and that we indwelt. It was not that Jennifer Farr Davis had lied to us or Lonely Planet had lied to us or Instagram had lied to us. It's simply that in order to truly understand the glory of this place, right, its magnificence, its grandeur, 
you have to go. You have to step inside. You've got to come and see for yourself. Well, the Christian life is the same way. Okay, you can hear things about Jesus. You can get to know him or watch him uh, from a distance. But in order to truly get Christianity, in order to truly get Jesus, you need to step inside. You've got to come and see for yourself. What I want to show to you tonight is that every journey with Jesus right, begins with two words. It's a word of intrigue and it's a word of invitation. Right? Every journey with Jesus, everyone who ever signs up to follow him, right, that journey begins with two words, a word of intrigue and a word of invitation. And I want to look first at this word of intrigue. Right, our passage tonight begins with three characters. We've got John the Baptist. We've got two of his disciples, one named Andrew and the other unnamed. We could call her Ashley. Okay? So John the Baptist, Andrew, and Ashley right, are hanging out together. And in walks Jesus, stage, what is it, stage right, stage left, right? He enters into the scene. And as soon as he does, John shouts, behold, right? Look, this guy over here, right? The Lamb of God. Well, I hardly need to point out to you that um, pointing to somebody and shouting, look, right? There he is, the Lamb of God. That's a strange way of greeting somebody, right? It's a weird address. It's mysterious. It's intriguing. Granted, this is not the first time John the Baptist has done something or said something like this. On Monday, John said to some Pharisees, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Okay, it's interesting, intriguing. On Tuesday, the very next day, John sees Jesus walking towards him, and he exclaims, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was referring to when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Again, a little interesting, a little intriguing. Well, now it's Wednesday, okay, one day later, and Jesus walks by again. And once again, John exclaims, Behold, look. The Lamb of God. Okay, the Christian life begins this way. With an intriguing word. You hear something about Jesus. Something that strikes or piques your curiosity. Some claim made about him. Jesus is the Messiah. Or Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the long-awaited one. Jesus is the Son of God and Son of Man. Jesus is the door into heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the Savior for sinners. Jesus is the one that you really need, etc., right? Every single one of these claims in its own right is interesting, intriguing, mysterious, and maybe even a little hard to understand. Even if you do understand what is being communicated, it still begs the question, is what is being said true? Is Jesus really who he and who others claim him to be? The Christian life begins with a word of intrigue. But not just a word of intrigue. The Christian life begins with a word of invitation. 
When John says, look, the Lamb of God, he's not saying, hey, look at Jesus. Hi, wave to him. That's not the point. When he says, behold, look, this is he, right? This is the Lamb of God. What he's saying to his disciples is you really got to check this guy out. You really need to pay attention to him. Intrigued and their curiosity peaked, John's disciples do start following Jesus. But no, they are not following Jesus as in they become disciples of Jesus. They're following Jesus uh, in the same way that you might follow somebody on Church Street and you're trying to check out if that's a friend, right? You, you don't really want it to be too obvious, maybe hanging back a couple of blocks, sort of shooting side glances, maybe even ducking behind a tree. Okay, if not a friend, but like, that's what they're doing, all right? If you were, yeah, hopefully if you see me on Church Street, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, but they're not, they're not disciples of Jesus at this point, right? They're following after him, but they're not following him, if you understand what I'm getting at, right? They're less disciple and more stalker or seeker, okay, at this point in their journey. What's interesting is that Jesus knows that this is happening, and he permits it for a while, okay? But this kind of following can only go on for so long. You know, if they are truly to become followers of Jesus, not in this at-a-distance way, but sort of in step with him, something's got to change. And so Jesus turns around and he addresses them. When he does, he's not startled. He's not like, ah, what are you seeking? And he's not annoyed, like, ugh, what do you want? What are you looking for? When Jesus turns around, he gives another word of invitation. What are you seeking? What exactly are you looking for? How you answer this question is really important. People come to Jesus for all sorts of reasons. Some people come to Jesus simply because they are looking for some sense of community. That's why they come. Some people come to to Jesus... Uh, looking for some rules to live by. Jesus is the rabbi or the teacher who has some wisdom to share. Now, it's not that any of these motives are bad, per se, and it's not like any of them are untrue. Jesus does bring people together, and Jesus is a wise man, and he has wisdom to share. But if if, if that's what you are coming here for, if that's why you're looking, if that's the reason why you are seeking him, you're missing it. You're missing him. It's kind of like going to a fancy restaurant downtown Burlington, let's say Hen of the Wood, um, a fantastic place to eat, and ordering only from the front of the menu. It's not that the appetizers aren't good. It's just that the really good stuff, like the really hearty things, the entrees are on the back side. And if you're not looking for it, if you're not willing to turn it over, you're going to miss the best thing. Right? You're going to miss it. So what are you doing here? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Listen to how these two disciples answer that question, Andrew and Ashley. Listen to how they respond. They answer the question with a question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? 
They say, well, where are you staying tonight? <laughs> kind of a strange response. Right? If you thought of them stalking Jesus, their stalker status just kind of increased a little bit. <laughs> where are you staying tonight? Um, but here's what's going on. Andrew and Ashley want to know if Jesus is legit. If he's the real deal. Is Jesus who John the Baptist claims him to be? That's what they're after. If Jesus is not, if he is not who he or John claims to be, there's no sense in following him any further. If Jesus is not legit, then this whole Christianity thing is a hoax, and it's a waste of your time. But if Jesus is legit, then Jesus is not simply another thing to add to your life, and Christianity is not just like another book to add to your bookshelf. If Jesus is who he is and who John the Baptist claims him to be, he is the bookshelf. And, not, and the question is not, how do I get Jesus to fit in my life? The question really is, how does my life fit into his? If Jesus is who he says he is. Right? If he's for real. And this brings us back to this moment of truth with Jesus and Andrew and Ashley. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Andrew and Ashley intuit rightly that the only way that they're going to answer this question and answer their curiosity is by actually stepping in and spending time with Jesus. That's the only way that they're actually going to get an answer to the questions that they're asking. Is Jesus for real? Is by stepping in and by spending time with him. Lots of life is this way. Lots of learning is this way. Right? You could watch, you could read hundreds of books about fly fishing and watch thousands of videos, but you won't be a fly fisherman until you grab a rod and a reel and put on some waders and tie on a fly and step in a river. That's the only way that you're actually going to learn how to fly fish, by stepping in. You do not learn how to drive by watching the Indy 500. You learn how to drive by stepping inside of a car and getting behind the wheel. You don't learn what it's like to be married by reading marriage books or what it's like to be a parent by reading parent books. You learn what it's like to be married by making a promise. And you learn what it's like to be a parent by making a kid. You know? And this goes, applies to Jesus too. You don't really know who Jesus is until you actually step inside and spend time with him. Your knowledge of them has to move beyond hearsay. Your knowledge of them has to go beyond what other people are saying about him. You don't need to hear other words about Jesus. You need to hear the words of Jesus from him himself. Not words about Jesus, but words from Jesus, directly from the source. This is the only thing that's actually going to satisfy your curiosity. And the only thing that's actually going to move you towards an answer, is Jesus the real deal? So, Andrew and Ashley ask, where are you staying? And Jesus answers, come and you will see. The Christian life begins with a word of intrigue, and it begins with a word of invitation. And knowing who Jesus really is requires that you step in and you spend time. And with that in mind, I want to address 
any of you in this room who identify with Andrew and Ashley in this stage of their faith journey with Jesus as seekers. I want to welcome you here. I want to welcome you to RUF. I want you to know that this RUF community really is a place where you can belong before you believe. Right? This is a place of belonging well before it is a place of believing. Right? You're here to try to make sense of who Jesus is. And I want you to know this is a good place for you. I want you to encounter him here. And I want you to be able to ask hard questions and to watch and to listen and to decide if Jesus is for real. I know the only way that's ever going to happen is if you meet Jesus here and you hear from him directly. You actually need to hear his words and not just my words about him. And that is why I want to encourage you to do three things. Okay, I want to, first of all, encourage you to pray. Now, I know prayer can feel a little awkward, especially when uh, you're brand new at it. But prayer really is just a conversation with God. And you don't have to be flowery in your speech. right? In fact, some of the best prayers are often the simplest ones. God, Jesus... I don't know if you're for real or not, but I'm asking that if you are, you would confirm that in my heart and you would make yourself known to me, uh, make yourself known to to me in ways that are easy for me to understand. That's a fairly simple prayer. And that's a prayer that I'm convinced that God loves to answer. And so why don't you start with that? Why don't you pray that prayer? God, make yourself known to me if you're for real. Secondly, I want to encourage you to start reading this book, all right? reading the Bible. If you don't have one, we've got stacks of them on this table. They're free. It's our gift to you. Okay, Christians believe that there is a God, and this God has not kept silent. This is a God who speaks, and he's given us his word. And he's given us his word intelligibly right, for us to understand. His words and his actions have been faithfully recorded in this book, so much so that we call this the very word of God. Christians believe that when we read this book, we are hearing God's very word to us, as sure as if he was in this room and having a conversation with us. All that is to say, if you want to be confident of who God is and what he is saying, this is where you need to go, right? Turn here, right? If you want to have confidence of who is God, what is he really saying? What is he really like? I'd encourage you to start with the Gospels, right? The first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these Gospels really focus on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And since you're trying to determine if Jesus is legit, this really is the best place to start. Start here, right, with the Gospels. You don't have to start with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right, Deuteronomy, the first four or five books of the Bible. You don't need to do that. Begin here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In addition to reading the Bible privately at home, at your own pace, I would encourage you to check out an RUF Bible study or some other Bible study uh, offered here on campus. I don't really care, but I encourage you to be a part of one, right? This semester, we're looking at meals with Jesus, and we're seeing him sit down and have a meal with lots of different people, um, with sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees, right? The outsiders as well as the insiders. And as we sit and we watch him eat and talk, And as we sort of find ourselves at his breakfast, lunch, or dinner table, we're learning a whole lot about him. This is a great place for you to decide, is Jesus for real? 
Is he legit? Right? It's perfect. There's another benefit to studying the Bible, not just privately, but with friends. You know, when you come across something that is hard to, uh, to understand, that doesn't readily make sense, right, you can talk about it out loud with other people. And there's value in verbal processing. Also, other people see things that you would sometimes otherwise miss, and you see things that they would miss. Right? You learn a whole lot more by walking through a landscape than you do by just driving past it. And so when we sit down and we read a passage and we spend an hour just sort of walking our way through it, we see a whole lot more than if we just read it and just closed it and went on our way. Right? There's value in that. I have a friend um, who now lives in South Korea. Yeah, he's a Jewish guy named Mark Stein. And uh, I met him right when I moved here in 2012. Um, we met at a party out in Heinsberg. And he had said something very intriguing. And I invited him to study a Bible, uh, study the Bible with me. And he's like, I would love to do that. I haven't had a Havruta in a long time. I was like, what's a Havruta? He's like, it's a Hebrew word that means Bible study, but it's the same word we have for friend. And I've always liked that. Right? The Bible is meant to be studied with friends, and a friend is someone you could study the Bible with. And so I hope, if you are like Andrew or like Ashley, at this stage in their spiritual journey, trying to decide if Jesus is legit or not, I hope that you find a Havruta here, a Bible study, and a friend. A friend you can study the Bible with. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing right now. I want to encourage you to come back to Wednesday Night Fellowship. I want to, better yet, I want to encourage you to go check out a local church. You want to know if Jesus is for real? If you, you want to know if he's legit? You ought to hang out where he hangs out. You ought to be where he is. And he says, I'm here with my people. Right? I know there's a risk in saying this, right? I go to church, right? I belong to a church. I know the kinds of people who go there, people like me, right? People whose lives are messy and broken and are full of sin. I know that uh, church attracts sick people as much as a hospital attracts sick people, right? There are sick people in hospital. There are sick and broken people in church. I'm one of them. And so I know that when you go to church, you're going to see what I see. You're going to see hypocrisy, and you're going to see greed, and you're going to see jealousy, and you're going to see anger. Right? You're going to see sin. But I hope that you see something else. I hope that you see that people whose lives are full of hypocrisy and full of greed and jealousy and anger are being healed. Right? They're coming there because they have a problem, but they're also coming there to be healed. I hope if you go to a hospital, you see doctors working behind the scenes. And I hope that when you go to church, you see a good doctor working behind the scenes too. Right? I hope all of this taken together, prayer and scripture and Christian fellowship, I hope that it helps you make up your mind about Jesus. Because honestly, there's no other way that you're going to find it out. If you want to know he's legit, this is how. The Christian life begins with a word of intrigue. 
and a word of invitation, right? Come and see. But it doesn't stop there, okay? There is a stepping in as well as a stepping out. Look at verses 40 through 42 with me. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Okay, at the end of verse 41, Andrew comes to the same conclusion that John had in verse 36. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the one that we need. Andrew comes to the same conclusion, but he doesn't come to this conclusion simply because his teacher told him so. Andrew reaches this conclusion because he accepted an invitation, and he entered in, and he actually spent time with Jesus. Right? He didn't just wave to Jesus from a distance. He came and saw where he was staying, and he listened to him speak. He watched and he listened. Andrew stepped in, but this is important for you to note too. Andrew also stepped out. Right? He stepped in and he stepped out. And I want to take the time. I've addressed some of you, right, at that, this first stage uh, of Andrew's journey. But I want to address those in the room who are maybe at this stage, right? At this sort of second stage uh, of his journey. Um, there are some of you who are seeking and you're trying to decide and, and, and are considering and trying to decide, is Jesus for real? But there's some in this room, you're not asking that question anymore. Right? You're convinced. He is who he says he is. He is indeed the Christ. And I want to ask you tonight, what are you going to do with that information? Right? You've accepted the invitation. You've stepped in. You've spent time. You've heard. You've seen. You've tasted. You know. You know that God is good. You know Jesus is the Lord. And I'm really glad that you do. But what are you going to do with that information? Are you just going to sit with that? Are you just going to keep... uh, Like having discovered a place that's really good to eat, are you going to keep it a secret? Are you going to keep quiet? Like do you think that good food is just for you? Because it's not. It most definitely is for you, but it's not just for you. It's also for the people all around you. Right? It's for your roommate. It's for your sweet mate. It's for the people you go to class with and the people you scarf down your lunch with. It's for your sorority sisters and it's for your fraternity <coughs> brothers and guys on the soccer team. It's for your friends. And it's for your family. When Andrew is finally convinced, when Andrew is finally convinced that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, what is the first thing that he does? Does he get a megaphone and a soapbox and preach to people outside of Bailey Howe? Is that the first thing he does? Does he take out an ad in the cynic? Does he start a blog? He doesn't do any of those things. He goes to one person. When when Andrew is finally convinced that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, he goes to one person who he is really close with, 
in this case his brother. And he extends to him the exact same invitation that he himself received. Behold, we have found Messiah. A come and see. And the Bible says he brought him to Jesus. The invited becomes the inviter. The invited becomes the inviter. You know, Megan, um, my wife, has a friend uh, from college named Michael Flake. Michael pastors a church in Davidson, North Carolina, which is the same city he and she uh, went to school. One of the things that Michael tells his congregation from time to time is that God's family has always grown one person at a time. He says, God's family has always grown one person at a time. My guess, he says, is that God has put one more person in your life. And who is that person? Who is the one more person in your life that is waiting to experience the love of God through you? Right, who is the one more person in your life that is waiting to receive an invitation of God from you? Right. Look, the Christian life begins with a word of intrigue as well as a word of invitation. There is a requisite stepping in, but there is also a requisite stepping out. Stepping in to go back out, and stepping out to bring back in. In and out, right? Out and in. If you have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus is asking you tonight, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? He is inviting you to not just watch from a distance, but to really enter in. To get to know him, to figure out if he is legit. For those of you who are convinced that Jesus is the real deal, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the Lamb of God, Jesus is inviting you to be invitational. He's inviting you to step out in faith, to go to one person that you love, and to invite them to come and see for themselves that Jesus is really, really good. Come and see for yourself. Right. Starts with injury. Starts with invitation. Let's pray.